Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. It's Wednesday night, and it's time for another episode of Friends in Fiction. So, um, you know, tell your significant other to put dinner, you know, in the microwave later on. Anyway, <laughs> we are really looking forward to tonight, so let's get started. By the way, I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan Henry. And this is Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we're talking with Lisa Unger, whose gripping new thriller will have all of us looking sideways at the tribe that we call family. Mm. If we already aren't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this time of year, right? Holidays are coming up. <laughs> and don't forget, as you know, we continue to encourage you to support independent booksellers. And one way you can do that is to visit our own Friends in Fiction bookshop.org page, where we strongly suggest that you check out Lisa Unger's books and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. They make the perfect gift. Yeah. Did someone say perfect gift? <gasps> because... Yes, we also wanted to tell you about something really fun we have going on with our friends at Oxford Exchange. So in the spirit of the season, they are offering our signature Friends and Fiction t-shirts, buy one, get one free. One for you, one for a friend, or an extra for laundry day. I mean, you can really work out a rotation where you're washing one, wearing yep. one, and then you really can be in a Friends and Fiction shirt all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll be wearing ours for our Thanksgiving episode next week, where we'll be celebrating independent bookstores with a Thanksgiving tea party. And that, of course, is T-E-E -E party. You can join us by wearing your t-shirt while you watch and make sure to send us pictures of you wearing your t-shirt. We will pick two winners to receive a special Friends in Fiction reading package. Just use code FFBOGO, that's F-F-B-O-G-O at checkout. And Christy, where should we send those pictures? You can send them, them to me, Christy at ChristyWoodsonHarvey.com, or you can send them to our Friends in Fiction email address too, um, which is, I think, friendsoffiction at gmail.com, but just send them to me. I'm collecting. Awesome. <laughs> and I want to remind you about our Writer's Block podcast with all of us. We take turns with our librarian rock star pal, Ron Block, and we will always post links under announcements. We drop them every single Friday. And the most recent episode, Ron talked to Jennifer Coburn about her new novel, Cradles of the Reich. And coming this Friday, Ron and Christy talk to author Tori Whitaker about her brand new historical novel, A Matter, ma mm -hmm. A Matter, that's why I drink water during the show, A Matter, a matter of Happiness. And um, I read the book and I haven't heard the podcast yet. I can't wait, but the book is really great. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a really great show. You're gonna she was super interesting. But so now you know that every week we love doing an ask us anything. And in the after show tonight, we'll be taking some of those questions. So 
stay for that and keep asking and we'll keep answering. Okay, now to the main event. Let's introduce Lisa. All right. So Lisa Unger is the internationally best-selling author of 20 novels, including Last Girl Ghosted and Confessions on the 745. Her books have been pump- published in 32 languages and millions of copies have been sold worldwide. Her novels have also been featured on best book lists from the Today Show, Good Morning America, Entertainment Weekly, and many others. In fact, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, which we are here to talk about tonight, was named Book of the Week in People Magazine last week. How cool is that? That is Very so cool. cool. Yeah. She has been nominated for or won so many awards, including Strand Critics, Audi, Hammett, McCavity, ITW Thriller, and Goodreads Choice. In 2019, she received two, 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 two Edgar Award nominations, an mm-hmm. honor only held by a few authors, including Agatha Christie. And she has the great honor of being an FNF favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What an honor. I mean, of all of those, I think that's, of all those. that's the best. Yeah. We should get like a trophy for that. Like a little, <laughs> yeah. a little lady instead of the man. I love it. Lisa I like is the it. current co-president of the International Thriller Writers Organization. How she has time for that, I do not know. Her 2019 novel, Confessions on the 745, is currently in development for a Netflix series starring Jessica Alba, which is so exciting. So cool. She lives on the west coast of Florida with her family, and her new novel, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, was just released on November 8th. Bring her in, Sean. Oh, there she hey, is. Lisa. Hi, guys. You're yeah. right. That is the biggest honor is to be oh. a friend. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. We are so thrilled, Lisa, to have you back with us. Thank you. First mm-hmm. off the bat, tell us about this dark ride of a novel, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six. What's it about? And then what's it really about? <laughs> yeah, so um, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six is about three couples who head out to a luxury cabin deep in the woods. It's uh, Hannah and her brother Mako, um, their spouses, Bruce and, and, and Liza, and their um, family friend, Cricket, and her mysterious new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for a much needed disconnect from their very hectic uh, modern lives. But of course, you know, they're hauling with them all sorts of baggage in the form of secrets and lies. And there's, you know, a stranger lurking in the periphery just out of sight. And the stranger is uh, is running a dark agenda of revenge. Uh, there's a storm brewing and cell phone service is spotty. So really, what could go wrong? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's sure. really about, you know, it's about family. It's about identity. It's about, you know, the secrets we keep from um, our family members, the secrets that we keep from each other and, you know, how we're all connected in, um, in, you know, in mysterious ways. Oh, I love that. All right. So Lisa, you've been called a master of the atmospheric suspense novel. And in this book, you've truly given us just this twisty, multi-layered journey, which is, um, although nothing happens, it's bad to the characters. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as, as I'll be that. Yeah, totally yeah. Fine. Nothing <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So where did this journey to a secluded mountain cabin start for you? And did you have an idea of where the trip would ultimately take your protagonist? Yeah, so we had, there were a couple of different things that sort of dovetailed to, you know, be the inspiration for Secluded Cabin Sleep Sex. And first was sort of my ongoing um, obsession with DNA testing. You know, I've had this kind of fascination with, with that technology now for a while. And like, you know, like in Last Girl Ghosted, I did a kind of a deep dive into online dating and confessions on the 745 was like about, you know, social media and how it, you know, sort of undermines our privacy and stuff. Um, so in the case of this book, you know, I was interested, you know, I was already interested in this technology, but not in the technology itself as much as it, you know, like all of them, how it rewrites the way we relate to each other, how it changes um, the way that we find out about who we are. And that, you know, when you take one of these tests, the chances are that you're going to find out something very surprising about yourself yeah. or your family, and then you're not going to be able to unknow that thing. And I, so I found that really fascinating, but that was like kind of an ongoing obsession. And then during the pandemic, we... Uh, my family and I, we took um, we took some trips to very beautiful, luxurious cabins, you know, in the woods. Some of them were actually in Blue Ridge. Some of them were in Asheville. Um, and, you know, they were, you know, very beautiful and, you know, but also isolated. And, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, you know, when I go on vacation, I have to take myself with me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was always like my thriller writer's brain is always turning. It's like, uh -huh. you know, look how wonderful this is. I wonder what could go horribly wrong. Like that's just sort of, you know, an occupational hazard. Yeah. Um, and some of those trips, you know, involved my extended family. And I don't know if you've ever traveled with your extended family, but, you know, maybe you found it inspirational as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're using inspirational loosely. Yeah. This is an aside. And this, is, this is a story for another day, but there's yeah, a book oh, called for sure. yeah. <laughs> there's a book called Unsolved Disappearances in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Right. And um there was a time that I was pretty sure I was gonna be a chapter of that. So if I were <laughs> it would have been great inspiration, but unfortunately. Yeah. Doesn't really work its way into my voice. <laughs> okay. So Lisa, we were together last week with our mutual pal, Karen Slaughter. Sure. And the topic, and you know, she's sort of like a fan favorite of Friends and Fiction. And it's hard to say that many F's all in a row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without adding another F. Not like all the S's, secluded yeah. cabin C six. Yeah. Yeah. If you had braces, which I did. Uh, uh, like five years ago, it would be hard to say the cooted cabin. Yeah. It would be. So the topic of writing on the dark side came up. Yeah. And I remember Karen talked about the, that she started her sort of inspiration for writing the kind of books that she writes was when she was growing up in Atlanta, the news coverage of the Atlanta missing and murdered child cases yeah. deeply affected her. Yeah. And influenced her writing style. And then you mentioned, and I hope you'll talk to us a little bit about that tonight, about what prompted your interest in crime writing. Yeah. So I always had a, you know, I always had like kind of a dark imagination. Like it was just sort of a weird kid. You know, I had like very gothic appetites, even at a young age for fiction and stuff like that. And then, you know, when I was a, um, you know, when I was a teenager in, um, in New Jersey, a girl that I knew, um, was abducted and murdered 
Um, she wasn't a close friend, but she was a friend. And you know, we played on the same school orchestra together. We played violin together. And it was a horrific, you know, horrible event in our in our town. Um, you know, this young girl had, she missed the bus. You know, she walked home from school, which should have been perfectly fine. You know, everybody walked home from school. It was like one of those places where... You move your family to be safe. It was like a semi-rural town, like, Ooh. you know, about an hour and 40 minutes from New York City. So, you know, like one of those places where you always think that you're safe. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, you know, this her abductor had been watching her and this was his opportunity to take her. And, you know, I do very much so... Um, you know, see my... I saw the world one way before that happened and I saw it another way after it happened and i had a lot of questions you know i had a lot a lot of questions about you know why why her why this girl why why him who what made him who he was that he yeah. would do kind of a thing to someone and these are questions that you know nobody wants to answer no adult wants to answer those questions for you and you know you think it's because they just won't but the fact is and you don't know this until you're a mom yourself is that you just can't they can't answer it right so um, I sort of started to, you know, have these really, you know, started reading very dark stuff, started writing very dark stuff. And I think in a, you know, in a sense, I was just trying to metabolize that darkness in a way and sort of, you know, look for answers to my questions on the page. Yeah. Wow. Now, that reminds me of the story of the woman who wrote um, the um, California, the Golden State. Yeah, the Golden Killer. State Killer book, yeah. and she uh, was growing up in the in in Chicago, suburban Chicago. Mm -hmm. Something similar happened, and she talked about she was obsessed with it. She and her friends would ride their bikes, and right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do get obsessed with things, especially yeah. when if you're a certain kind of kid, if you're a smart and creative kid. And you sense that there are things that people are not sharing with you or they don't mm -hmm. want to or they can't. And you tend to you, and there's something frightening about that. Mm -hmm. There's something frightening about the fact that even the adults in your life can't order the chaos that you perceive in the world. And so if you're a certain kind of kid, I think you turn to creativity to 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 metabolize that in some way. That's, That's a great point. That's wow. such a good point. Well, you open this novel with a Tolstoy quote that I just absolutely love. <laughs> happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. It's <laughs> so good. So talk to us about how your protagonist, Hannah, discovers the truth about her own family. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting opening. I opened it on, on Christmas uh, night. You know, everybody is sort of, you know, they're having their dinner. And, you know, of course, it's like, you know, it's one of those family celebrations, you know, which I'm sure is a lot like your own, you know, just completely joyful with no dysfunction whatsoever, you know, <laughs> no sniping or layers or predatory behavior or nothing like that, right? <laughs> Everyone's like laughing. <laughs> Does that ever happen? Okay. <laughs> I don't know any families like that, but I'm sure that you, I'm sure that your family is like that. And so, you know, they're sort of, you know, they're sort of gathered around the table and, you know, everybody's like kind of doing their thing, you know, like playing the role in the family script that they've all written for each other. And, you know, the dinner's over, but then a stack of presents is kind of, um, 
found behind the tree. Leo, Hannah's dad, finds a stack of presents and nobody will take credit for it. It says it's from, from Santa. And so the presents get handed out and everybody opens it and uh, everybody receives a, a DNA testing kit. And everybody has a really different reaction. Mm. And that's kind of meant to be like sort of the first, you know, moment where you have to ask yourself, you know, what are each of these people going to find out about the family that's gathered around this table when they take this test? If they take this test, some of them say they're not going to take it. Some of them are going to throw it away. Some of them are going to, you know, do whatever we don't know. So that's kind of, you know, the the first open doorway into kind of questions about this family. And so Hannah has, you know, a role that she plays in her family. Like she's the good girl. She's the mediator. She's the one who tries to fix everything. She cleans up everybody's mess, you know, especially her brother and her, their, you know, their family friend cricket, they were like the wild kids and Hannah was like the good one. And so, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, as part of our identity, like this role that we play in our families. Like we all know that there's like a script, right? And you have a place in your family. And if you try to act off <laughs> off book, so to speak, <laughs> everything kind of descends into chaos. Right? <laughs> so like nobody else knows what their role is if you're not going to play your role. That's so why I'm always interested in that dynamic in families and in families in general, because there's such a critical part of, you know, how we become, you know, our family of origin is, you know, is the foundation of our, you know, sort of our adult life where we start making choices. So I'm always interested in that. So interesting. I love that. That's yeah. such, that's so well put. I've never really thought of it like that, that everybody has a role to play and, you know, what's yours. That's because you're the only child, Christy. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but I have a really big family. Do you think that like the villain in the story knows that they're the villain? No, definitely but see, not. I don't either. Yeah, I no, mean, absolutely not. I think there's yeah. like a lack of self-aware. Maybe it's me and my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a villain, this is a big Maybe twist. you're a villain, Christy. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is going to be super interesting yeah. this year. That's right. <laughs> if Christy Woodson Harvey is the villain, there is the the world is upside down. Exactly. <laughs> Boom! Major plot twist. Oh my goodness. Well, what I think is fascinating, Lisa, is that the things you're obsessed with, and we talk about this all the time, like how do we decide what to write about that feels like it's coming from like right here? Yeah. And it's the I things mean, we're fascinated about, the things we notice, yeah, yeah. you know. Mary Kay and the houses and, right. you know, Christian families in the South and Kristen with World War II and, and, right. and, and being a light in the darkness. And when you find these things that are really important to you, mm. it's fascinating. You were talking about being obsessed with DNA and with families and with, you know, what happened to you in your childhood and look how those have worked their way into your books. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think it works. I don't think it could work any other way. Not for me, you know, because right. I write, you know, I write without an outline. I don't know who's going to show up day to day. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I definitely don't know how my book is going to end. So there has to be an engine, right. For every novel, it's a year long or more relationship. Right. So in that yeah. engine is like sort of my ferocious curiosity about people and what makes us who we are. And yeah. how we relate to each other and how our relationships intertwine and what we'll do for, you know, for various motives. And so, I mean, yeah, that's like the thing that makes it, you know, always coming from your center. 
Yeah. Are you, do you, you just start with a premise? You start there and keep going? I have a, like a, maybe a, maybe like a half sort of essence, like, <laughs> like premise. I mainly just have this voice, you know, I usually just have a voice in my head or it might be a scene, something that I'm seeing over and over. Okay. Um, some, and I, it's like just a feeling that I know that this, that this is the book, this is the voice, this is what I'm going to follow. I have like some vague idea, you know, enough to kind of let people know that I'm not like, I don't know, writing, you know, writing a romance novel. Like, so they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to get it and be like, oh, wait, what did you write? Kind so <laughs> of a sense of what I'm going to, what I'm going to do, but, you know, mainly everything develops for me on the page, you know, um, just the same way it will for, for my reader, but, you know, to be honest, I don't really think is that different from people who outline. It's just a different process. It's a longer process and it's a more layered process, you know, cause there's that first draft and then I'll do another two or two drafts usually at least before I turn that into my editor. Okay. Well, what I really wanted to ask you about was this transition you made because in your early, but we just got this fantastic writing tip. I'm going to yeah. rewind that and yeah. watch it later. <laughs> we know that in your earlier life, you worked in publishing in New York. Yeah. So could you talk about making that transition? Because we talk often here about even midlife saying, you know, that's not working for me anymore. Mm. Um, was that a huge, scary change? And how has the publishing industry change for you since you came to the writing side? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So I was always a writer. I've been writing since I was a kid. Okay. And, you know, I started my first novel when I was 19. I was still in college at the time, you know, and I, my mom was a librarian. So, you know, she had, it's from her that I, you know, got my love of, of, of reading and story. Um, but my dad was an engineer. And so when I kind of put it out there that I thought I wanted to be a writer, he was like, yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. Uh, don't do that. People don't write for a living. Like that's funny. <laughs> you need to get a, like an actual job. And so, you know, I kind of, I kind of believed him, you know? And so even though, you know, I had been writing all through college and I, you know, that my whole, really my whole education was focused on writing and literature. Um, and I had this novel that I started instead of pursuing that, you know, I went into publishing. And so, you know, I went into publishing on the publicity side of things. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I was really, really good at that job. So it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and the time that I spent writing got smaller and smaller and smaller until I reached a moment in my life where I realized, you know, I wasn't writing at all. And that, you know, I was going to have to look back, you know, five years, 10, down, 10 years down the road and say, you know what, you never even tried. You never even tried. Oh, wow. And I figured I could live with, you know, a spectacular kind of crash and burn failure, but I wasn't going to be able to live with a slow fade to nothing on the only thing I ever wanted to do with my life. And so from that point, I just got really serious about my writing. Turns out there's only one thing you need to do to be a writer. I know we all know what that is. <laughs> write. <laughs> just write every day. Don't talk about your writing. Don't, you know, make excuses for why you didn't write. Just do it. And so from that point forward, I just, you know, I worked every day. I, whether that meant I got up early in the morning, which is, you know, still my golden creative time. Um, whether I wrote on, you know, my commute into the city from my apartment in Brooklyn or even like during meetings, I might be working on my novel, but I did eventually finish it. Um, and that that first novel, I started when I was 19. 
I finished it when I was 29. Wow. wow. Yeah. And, uh, and it was in fact the first novel that I published. That's awesome. That's amazing. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been on both sides. That's incredibly Uh unusual. Yeah. Not only that you finished the first novel that you write, but then that 10 years later you sell the first novel. Mm, Amazing. It is kind of amazing. It's definitely not the normal, definitely not the normal story. And the rest of it is sort of like, you know, I went to my, I went to Sloppy Joe's in Key West. You know, I met my husband there. (laughs) (laughs) I did. And like the heat, it was like this Shazam kind of love at first sight moment. Oh, wow. Six months he had proposed. We had quit our big corporate jobs. I sold my apartment in Brooklyn Heights. I gave myself one year to sell that novel and to write another one. And I was like my total like go for broke moment. And so, you know, that's amazing. How old were you when you did all that? Were you were 29 or 30? I was 29 going on 30. And my, wow. and my, uh, my first book published in, in 2002 when I was 32. Wow. Well, Good on you, Lisa. Yeah. Thank you. you. <laughs> and now she's a Friends in Fiction favorite. And it's I know. It's a like dream miracle. every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day she wakes up and thinks, what can I do for Friends in Fiction? I what can I do? Ladies, they're the best. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so many of us love Confessions on the 745. And we are so freaking excited about the Netflix news. Yeah. What can you tell us about that? And when can we expect to curl up with a big <sighs> bowl of buttered popcorn to watch it? I, I, or you be involved in the script? Oh yeah. So um, it was, uh, it was optioned. Well, Jessica Alba read it and she fell in love with the book. Um, and then she brought it to her production company and her production company brought it to Netflix and I had an opportunity to talk to Jessica Alba on Zoom, you know, when she, after she had read the book and decided that was the, her next project, her next project. And that was like, you know, like a major fangirl moment. It was yeah. like, and, and what was amazing about it is that, you know, her persona on Instagram and stuff is like so bubbly, but she's really such a serious reader and so serious about her acting. And she was just very, very you know, so knowledgeable about the book and the characters. And um, it just felt like a real love connection. So that was kind of an amazing thing. And then, you know, they brought it into Netflix. Netflix has the option. And then they just signed on a writer. Um, So they have Sharice Castro-Smith, who is an Oscar-winning writer of Encanto. Wow. Oh, wow. And also The Haunting of Hill House, which is a, a remake on, on Netflix, which is, you know, incredibly well done, beautiful, dark. Um, I think she's in so many ways just perfect for the book, for the material. And uh, she and Jessica Alba are just this amazing, like, powerhouse, you know, team awesome. of creative businesswomen. So it's mm-hmm. really kind of amazing. Um, I I don't know much beyond that. From what I read in the media... <laughs> They think it's going to be on uh, at some point in 2023. So I don't know if that is true or not, but I'm waiting for the script. 
now. Um, I'm not a screenwriter. That's not something that I want to do or think I have any any particular talent for. So um, I know at some point that I'm going to get the script and that they're going to ask for my notes and then I'm going to give them my notes and they're going to, you know, completely ignore everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I'm, you what know, a nice gesture. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm super excited about the project and, you know, I'm just thrilled to see where, how it evolves. Yeah. That's going to be so exciting. Um, okay. So Christy, do you have a question now? Sure. Yes. We have so many live questions coming in for you. It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say, so Jill E. Briggs Anderson said, I've been seeing Lisa's name all over the place. So I'm excited to hear more about her in this book. So that's really, that's really cool. That's great. Um, so this is a really good one. Jenny Adams and Carrie Soderman both asked the same question. Ooh, what role does Lisa play in her family? Love it. <laughs> Ooh, that's very personal. But yeah, I mean, I have to say it's probably very similar to Hannah's role. You know, like I'm the good girl. I'm, you know, Captain Safety. I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely like the don't run on the pool deck, you know, <laughs> laugh while you're eating kind of a mom, you know, like for sure in my, you know, sort of grown up family. I'm, all, I'm all definitely like sort of the mediator, you know, the hub of, you know, both my family of origin and my, you know, my, the family that I, that I have created. So yeah, that's very, very much so my role, though, of course it has changed, you know, and there is a little bit of a, I do have a little bit of a rebellious kind of black sheep um, strain as well, you know, like the sort of defiant, like I'm going to do my own thing, whether you think it's a good idea or not kind of a thing. And that, you know, so that kind of, you know, offers a nice contrast to my usually, my usually very good girl demeanor. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love that. Very cool. Um, okay. So, Who's asking the next question? I'm lost. Oh, do you want to do more live questions or do you want to get to? Uh... Um, what do you all think? Yeah, let's live. let's do a couple more live and then. Yeah. yeah. Sound yeah. good? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll grab one. So Tammy Rose Dodson would like to know, does Lisa ever have bad dreams after a day of writing? <laughs> That's that a one. great I'm question. So you know, it, it's it's so funny because, you know, like I don't. I'm not paranoid because I write thrillers. I write thrillers because I'm paranoid. <laughs> you know, like, like that part of my personality came first. And so I kind of metabolize all that dark, that darkness on the page, you know? So I tend to just kind of, you know, I tend to, I'm, I'm able to live in the light because I exercise all my demons that way, you know? And, uh, but that said, I do often dream about my work and I do have a lot, I think, especially because of the way, you know, because of the way I write, I do often have a lot of like 3am wake ups, you know, oh, where I'm yeah. like, okay, that's it. You know? <laughs> So I do have that quite a bit, but it's not like a nightmarish thing. I was gonna say you're not waking up because you've terrified yourself. No, I'm waking up because I I need to get to work. Yeah, you can't wait to get back to the page. Or you figured out I I know I know for myself sometimes I'll wake up because I've I've unknotted a plot twist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or so jealous of that. I've only had that happen once. I unknotted a plot twist at three a.m. I have yeah. really vivid, yeah. bizarre dreams, but they're not about my books. 
3 a.m. is definitely the witching hour. Like if you wake up at 3 a.m. and then you like drift off back to sleep, it's like a hypnagogic state, I think, because your yep. brain has had mm-hmm. enough rest that it might not necessarily, you know, go fully back to sleep, but it's an interesting place. And there's a lot of creativity to be found there. There are things bubble up. For sure. Right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love this. I'm dying to know. Elizabeth Marcha, mm-hmm, Marcha Lena okay. wants to know, have you, Lisa, ever taken a DNA test? I have not. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know from everybody. Have you, Kath, Mary Kay? I haven't. Uh, my cousins, you know, uh, on my dad's side, we're first generation Irish American and they have done ancestry.com and all that. Mm-hmm. I haven't, but not because I, do, I don't want to. It's just because of. Um, you just haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, Christy? I have not. Um, I have not. I don't know if I will. I mean, I think it'd be really interesting um, I don't know. You just hear so many crazy stories. Yeah. How about you, Kristen? Yeah. Did you? No. Mm-mm. I'm no. the only one. I definitely done did it. You've done it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know all the things. Yeah. Wait, like, like it's like a 23, like a 23 and me kind of thing. 23 and me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So did, did, is yours public? Like, can people reach out to you and find you? Only if they match. They match But you were my mom I mean, I've had no surprises. I have like fourth cousins who show up, but they don't try to talk to me. They just pop up on the line or whatever. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. One of my mom's friends just did it and she was private, but her aunt did it at the same time and her aunt was public. And they ended up like finding out all these yeah. like really crazy things that, yeah. you know, they never would have known because her aunt, like, I don't know. I think it was like maybe an accident. Like, I don't even know that it was on purpose. Like she didn't like feel the right thing. They were like, right. we're going to do this. And then. Oh, and wow. The, the wow. Bombshell news. Nothing sure. was nothing was a shocker for me. My genetic makeup, my family, you know, oh, I know you guys are shocked, but I'm 99.9% British and Irish. <laughs> Thank you. My thing is that um, my siblings and I have so much family resemblance mm. that it's kind of undeniable although lisa there's kind of a little back and forth in um secluded cabins sleep six hannah has some ideas to start with yes they both have some ideas to they both have some ideas that (laughs) something is not necessarily what what they think but neither one of them knows what it is right yeah definitely yeah okay we got one more um question um, I'll ask it. Jeannie Cassidy wants to know, and that's a good one. Lisa, what was the name of your novel that you finished and was published 10 years later? Angel Fire. Okay. Angel Fire. Yeah, Angel Fire. It was published in 2002 and it's actually still in print, believe it or not. That's <laughs> great. Awesome. Wow. That's it's been reissued. You know, uh, my, it was published under my, uh, under my maiden name, Lisa Michonne. So now it's been republished, you know, Lisa Unger writing as Lisa Michonne. So they're, they're pretty, you know, that's awesome. Cool. Okay. Lisa, is there anything that you've, well, two things, is there anything that you've read recently and loved? And then can you also just tell people where they can buy a signed copy of your book? We know you were on a big time tour. Absolutely. So I, I recently just read it's one of us by JT Ellison, the great JT Ellison. She's um, so good. He's just one of our, you know, she's one of the, one of our best 
right, you know, writers of psychological suspense. And it's one of us is definitely just, you know, at the, she's at the top of her game. Mm-hmm. It shared a lot of similar kind of pieces to secluded cabin sleep six. So I was like, you know, very eager to, to dive in and, you know, see what she did with, you know, some of those ideas. And uh, it was just, you know, twisty and layered and so, so well-written, you know, just classic JT Ellison, such a great book. Um, and then, you know, I visited so many wonderful stores over over the, the book tour, and they can all be found on my website, at least unger.com events. Um, but I launched my book at Tombolo Books here in St. Pete, which is, you know, um, very near and dear to my heart, and also Oxford Exchange in Tampa. I finished up my tour with them on Sunday. Both of them, you know, just put on these really amazing events, and I'm sure they have signed copies still to, to ship out to anyone who wants them. Awesome. That's yes. great to hear. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, I, uh, Christy and I both have read um, It's One of Us and top of her, I'll agree with this, top of her game. That book Absolutely. is so, it's and it's so emotionally like it too. It's not yes. just a twisty thriller. It's, it's really an interesting like hybrid, I feel like, of genres. Yeah. 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 It's just great. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Okay. Lisa, if you wouldn't mind sticking around, please. For one more minute, we have more to talk about with you, but we have a couple announcements we have. All to right, make. I'm here. Okay, don't move. Okay, so meanwhile, <laughs> we have big news about our releases next year. All four of us have 2023 novels out, and we will be doing at least five live friends and fiction events. So keep your eye out. The first one will be in Columbus, Ohio, on April 26th. And I got a DM in my um, Instagram today from someone who lives in Columbus. And she said, I almost cried when I saw that the Friends and Fiction bus. Oh, <laughs> I know, I'm really excited about Columbus. And then the live launch for my May book, The Secret Book of Flora Lee, is set for May 1st in Charleston, South Carolina. And y'all, this is going to be so much fun. So it is all set. The ticket link is up. And there's limited seats. It's going to be at the Riviera Theater on King Street in Charleston. It's with Buxton Books. And it will be a huge friends and fiction party that you do not want to miss. So hurry up and get them or buy them as gifts because there's only so many seats in that theater. And we will have three more live events after that. One in June for Kristen's launch for The Paris Daughter. One in July for Christie's launch, The Summer of Songbirds, and another in the fall for a title I'm still not allowed to say, <laughs> Mary Kay's Christmas book. So more details to come on all of it. That was really brave. Did you get nervous in the middle of that? Like, wait, what was the title again? You did that really well. <laughs> I have y'all's books memorized. And these are Unger's Sleep. Secluded cabin And um, you know, a holiday season is a great time to start thinking about our new Friends and Fiction first edition subscription. It's available mm. from Indie Bookstore Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey. Features signed hardback first editions from each of us, our, our brand new 2023 reads, and a kitchen towel that says dinner can wait. It's time for friends and fiction. And if you order between now and December 15th, you will be shipped a free exclusive friends and fiction Christmas ornament and a holiday card. So it's the perfect way to go ahead and get the box to someone, let them know it's coming to them um, pretty much all year long, or 
you know, if you shop like I do, get one for yourself <laughs> and for a friend. One for me. It's a perfect yeah. gift. Exactly. And of course, we cannot forget about the Zibby Award-winning Friends in Fiction Official Book Club with Brenda and Lisa. So again, we're just so excited for them. They're so deserving of that award. So the club is run by our friends, Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, otherwise known as PB&J, and they host authors for monthly chats. They have regular happy hours with our Writer's Block podcast host, Ron Block, and they keep everyone in the loop about suggested reads and upcoming releases. So tomorrow, Thursday, is their Friendsgiving celebration. And on Monday, I will be joining them to talk about the Sweetness of Forgetting's 10th anniversary edition. So make sure you join the book club. All right. So we have one more thing to talk about with Lisa, but don't forget that we are hanging around for an after show to take some of your Ask Us Anything questions. Well, Lisa, you know, we we were going to ask you about your, you know, your writing and your values and your family, but you already told us that your mom was a librarian. So um, why don't you tell us about um, where folks can find you in your both real and digital life? Mm. Well, I mean, I, I'm just everywhere, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on Twitter at Lisa Unger, um, which tells you how long I've been on Twitter, right? Like it's just (laughs) Unger. <laughs> That's it. And then at LA Unger on Instagram, um, at author Lisa Unger on Facebook, uh, lisaunger.com <laughs> is my website. Go. And, you know, on the website, you can find all the stores that I have visited in, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the country and get signed books there. And pretty much anything you never even knew you wanted to know about me can be found on <laughs> We love that. I love that. That's really good. Well, you know, I mean, it's good to have lots of information. <laughs> <It's lots> of- <laughs> uh, well, um, everybody, just a reminder um, that you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We are live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Be sure to come back right here next week for our Thanksgiving special from some of our favorite indie booksellers. And stick around right now for our Ask Us Anything after show. And thank you so much, Lisa, for being a part of Friends of Fiction. Thank you. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. I could listen to you talk forever. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I think that like every time I hear you on like social media or something, that's just such a Oh, that's nice to hear. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. I'll see you this winter when I go down to St. Pete to get out of the cold. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Bye, Lisa. You're awesome, too. Bye. Bye, Well, that was fun. Yeah. She's great. She is. She's she's great. I thought it was really, yeah. Um, I I don't know. Maybe it's because she was in book publishing uh, professionally, but she's got such a gift for summing up, you know. Yes. The nut graph, as we used to yeah. say in journalism, for yeah. her novel. Uh huh. Good point. And for and for her experience, like she can really right. explain. Like I'm obsessed yeah. with this and this and this, and it works its way in this way. Like yeah. I think for the rest of us, it's the way you describe it, Mary Kay, like a lint trap, and we're not really <laughs> sure what's in there. But she's able to like nail what it is that she's obsessed with that she writes about. And I, I, I really, it's making me think what, like, how, how would I list mine? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so true. And I think it's, uh, I was with somebody in, uh, I did a book event in Ohio last week and I was having dinner with a couple of librarians and one of the librarians said to me, I'm afraid of everything. Oh, wow. So she said, I won't swim any place where I can't see to the bottom because in her mind's eye, everything is coming to get her. Oh, wow. Which might not be the best way to be, um, to live a life. <laughs> uh, but as a writer, yeah. such a Great. gift. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us probably when we were kids had these wild imaginations. I used mm-hmm. to, sure. this is weird. Maybe I shouldn't say it. When I was a kid, I used to make sure no, my, um, Blankets covered my ear when I was sleeping on my pillow um, because I used to think that a, a little tiny witch would would fly oh, into there. Oh, my goodness. I there know. are actually so many things that I think of now in my adult life that I'm like, wow, like that was really nuts. That was and, really weird. Yeah. But I, but it even but weirder out loud. But, but it's it, never hit me till now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, it's like finally in retrospect, you're like, oh, that was really odd. But like as a kid, yeah. it just was what it was. <laughs> when I was young, um, my parents would watch the news and I would hear Walter Cronkite's voice, mm. which if you're a certain age, you know, it's a very solemn yeah. stentorian voice mm-hmm. and it would send me into ripples of panic oh really because i re- i guess what i remembered about walter cronkite's voice was when he came on he was telling you something bad that had oh. happened and i must have been quite young when there was something about there were there was like a prison escape or something mm. and i can remember going and wanting to hide in a trunk because oh. in my mind's eye, as an eight or ten year old, I'm like, well, they're certainly coming right to our house. Yeah, yeah. for me, not just yeah. coming, but for me. Yeah. So I'll get in this trunk and I'll lift up the lid, and when I don't know what. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the things we think, but maybe that's yeah. why probably right nearly story. suffocated yourself, which would have been yeah, exactly a much worse oh end to the story. <laughs> yes, we're glad you're still with us. Yeah, I yeah, I'm glad I lived to tell the tale. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Meg is everybody home. Meg is feeding us questions from ask us anything. And uh, I have to tell you the comment she just put in our uh, side chat, which is that she definitely thought son of Sam was coming for her in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh mine God. was Patty Hearst because they kidnapped her. And my name yep. is Patty. So oh, yeah. I always was thinking somebody was coming to get me. Wow. Cars that to... slowed down. Oh, that's creepy. Bangs in the night, you know, that kind of thing. When so. we first moved to Florida, I was very worried about alligators. I was 10 and I had, my sister was seven and my brother was four, I six and three. Um, and I used to make them run alligator drills in the backyard. Like I had all these drills no set way. up to like evade the alligators. Cause I'd read that you had to run zigzag. Um, so I, I, I and I, I strategically positioned baseball bats around our yard, like out of sight so that if you needed to grab a baseball bat and like whack the alligator while you were running Kristen. your zigzag drills. <laughs> That's incredible. 
That's incredible. That'd be a great scene in a book about kids. It really would be. I, I never got eaten by an alligator. So, I mean, you know. She's here to tell the tale. I'm here to tell the she's tale. So tell and a witch never flew wrong. in my ear, as far as I know. Well, yeah. as far as you know, Patty. Oh, there's no real proof for that one. Good point. Good point. Okay. Um, before we get any, any more into this, I'm supposed to remind you. That for all you writers out there, we're doing a daily writing tip for NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. National Novel Writing Month. Oh, I got it right. Okay. Yeah. Just go to, go to our Facebook page and you will see, and Instagram, you'll see daily writing tips from our amazing past guests. And I have to tell you all, I'm going back and looking at them. Isn't it fun I'm to trying to finish a book and I need, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. need that really good. reinforcement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and huge thank you to Patty and Meg for pulling, pulling all of those. Yeah, that yes, was yeah, you. yeah. I loved it because I, it, every time I read one of those, and I've been mm-hmm. trying to repost them on my stories on Instagram every day for y'all, but is it, I'm reminded like, oh yeah, I'm not alone, or oh yeah, yeah that's a great. Yeah, I love reading them. Just because yeah. we're writing writers doesn't mean we don't need writing tips. That's for sure. That yeah, I like, saw Harlan Coben's the other day about you know you basically you spit out a lump of coal and then you hammer it into a book. And I thought, okay, thanks Harlan. Yep. <laughs> remember that. Yeah. That's where I am. I'm at the coal stage right now. Okay. Do we have yeah. some more um, questions from the, ask us anything? Sure. It looks like Mary Vasquez asked, what is your favorite? This is not a writing question. What is no, your favorite Thanksgiving nothing. side dish? Ooh. Yeah. ooh. yeah. Cranberry yeah. sauce. All day, Ooh. every day, cranberry sauce. Yeah, I remember us having this conversation last year and being like, oh, really? Yeah. I, I love I, cranberry sauce. I like yeah, the one in the can. That's I right. like the lumpy one. I love them all. It's great. I love awesome. Patty. I love me some cranberry sauce plopped right on my turkey. Yep. Mm. Just okay. like shake the can okay. with the ridges. I have to be honest, y'all. The, uh, this is, I'm having one of those moments right now. Um, I've never had cranberry sauce. <gasps> what? So I'm just sitting here. It's not like we don't have it. We do. It's just like as a kid, I was like, I was like I'm not eating that. And I've still never eaten it. Okay. Oh, so that wow. is going to be my, and I love cranberries. So that's going to be my Thanksgiving <laughs> challenge. Is I'm, I'm going to eat cranberry sauce and report back to you guys. I'm going to make you some homemade cranberry sauce. Put it in a thing and mail it to you. Probably <laughs> what she think? I'm not going to do that. The next no. time I see you, I'm going to get you some cranberry sauce. Okay, but Patty, do you make cranberry sauce? I have. I have. But I'm telling you, it's still the kind in the can with you plop it out and it's got the ridges in it. I, That's the kind my mother always made. Yeah. And e- easier to mail to Christy. So well, I'll just mail her a couple open. cans. That's yeah. true. That's true. I have made it like the fancy with the orange rind and the pepper. I do love that. The, I love it. Yep. yep. But I will admit to you that, um, you know, I go to physical therapy three times a week now and there's a Trader Joe's across from my physical therapist's clinic. And so I went in there today and I bought a jar of Trader Joe's cranberry orange relish. Oh, they have good stuff. They have good Thanksgiving stuff there. I I like their stuffing too, their Thanksgiving stuffing. Yeah, they actually have a really, they have a very good gluten-free stuffing, Patty, if you, if Ooh, you've ever I'll have it. to go find yeah, it. it. It's actually delicious. It's at Trader Joe's and I think it's $5.99 for a big old box of it. Okay. 
Okay, I'm Kristen, what's it. your favorite Thanksgiving side? Um, I think it's creamed onions. My mom always makes, um, you know, those Holland onions that come in a jar. She has a recipe where she creams them and there's like nutmeg in the cream and they're just really good. Like they're good on their own. They're good mixed in with mashed potatoes and stuffing. They're good on turkey. Like they're just, they just make the plate for me. <laughs> Christy, what do you got? I, I like green bean casserole and I know that's mm. like kind of a controversial one and like people love that or hate that. Okay, it's cranberry sauce down there. Are you Christy, you're not really telling me that you like canned green beans with a can of mushroom soup and a can of fried onion That's rings. Exactly what I'm telling you. Wow. I don't like I don't like it with the canned green beans. I like it when they do it with fresh with like when they're done with fresh oh, beans. See, we're, I'm, I'm just, I'm being real with you here. I actually <laughs> like it. I mean, we, when we eat them, like, you know, in a normal week, we, yeah. we eat fresh green beans. I love a canned green bean, Oof. like 20 times more than a fresh. Oh, bean. I can't stand canned it's green slimy. beans. I'm like, oh, just, oh, I'm I like them. having I a little them. vomity feeling right now. Even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 reassessing everything I know. Meg about loves them too. Meg, team can green beans. Sean, what is Sean like? We need to know. Yeah. yeah. How about you, nah. Mary Clay? What's Meg yours? Nah. He said, um, nah. I make this really. It's really not a side. It's really a dessert. But I make a really good sweet potato souffle, and it's got very. Mm. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Sweet yeah, so it's got like a topping of <laughs> um, basically uh, chopped up pecans, and uh, I like it. I like a crunchy topping, and then the mm. souffle part that's of course got a lot of brown sugar in it. Yep. So the topping has like chopped up pecans, and um, it's the one time yeah. in my life I buy one of those little boxes of um, cornflakes that get oh. chopped up. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, and Meg is saying team stuffing. Oh, I love okay. team so, stuffing. So Meg is saying why has no one said too. stuffing? I have I have a good answer for that because stuffing is so hit or miss depending on where you go because there's so That's many yes. different ways to make thanks, uh, thanks stuffing. I have sat down to holiday tables before because stuffing is my favorite, like on, on my mom's table, uh, maybe like right, right alongside the creamed onions. But yeah. sometimes if it's not the right stuff, You might stuffing, as well eat stale bread. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If, if, if right. It's, or if right. it just doesn't, it, but it's not that it's bad. It's just stuffing. Like it has to taste the way that the stuffing you grew up with tastes. And like so often it doesn't. And then it's a different yep. thing. And it's, it's stuffing's, man, stuffing's dicey for me. I love stuffing. But good though. stuffing. It's like oh, almost like yes. bread pudding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember an episode of um, Cheers where um, Woody is talking about uh, his favorite. They're talking at the bar about favorite things. And Woody says, oh, is your mom's dressing like so dry you could choke on it? Because that's the kind I like. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I was actually looking up. They had a, a thing in the New York Times this Sunday of um, a whole bunch of different. Oh, my God, those pies. Yes, it was all Thanksgiving recipes. And I was like taking pictures and yeah, yeah it looked amazing. Yeah. The, so maybe uh, I'll try something new this year. Maybe that's what we yeah. do. Everybody, Christy, I'll eat some green beans out of a can. You mm-hmm. eat some cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. You eat some stuffing. Mm-hmm. 
That's well, and you know, I've got to say the Friends and Fiction Book Club has been posting some recipes on their site or on, on their page because they're mm-hmm. having their friends, their friends giving celebration tomorrow. Um, I don't like, so, yeah, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I do have a cookbook yes. called the Beach House Cookbook and I have a whole Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yes, perfectly. And, and the sweet potatoes are in there. Yeah. The sweet potatoes are in there. I the cranberries know. are in there. I'm not making the cranberries this year. I just bought about, those. Is there, is there a stuffing recipe? I don't know if I put a stuffing recipe. I mean, in my family, because, you know, on my, on my dad's side, we're Irish. Um, the taters are. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. do mashed taters. Yeah. Crucially yeah. important. And I do have a, a tip for all of you who um, have limited space or whatever, because we're having Thanksgiving at, at my son's house down in um, Albany, Georgia. And um, his kitchen is not large and he's, he does not have what I would call a fully stocked kitchen. So my thing that I've, I don't know, I saw somewhere a few years ago, I make the mashed potatoes and I keep them warm in the uh, slow cooker. Yep. Oh, that's a great idea. So you don't have to take up a stove, you know, a burner, the stove or the I'm oven. I'm stealing or that. That's I'm yep. stealing that. That's great. Yep. I'm yep. sharing my really easy fudge recipe on the oh, book. That's very Thanksgiving. Well, it's it's not, but it, it's more Christmassy, I Christmas-y, guess. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's a crowd pleaser. Like I take it everywhere. And maybe I guess maybe people just could you mail me some? Could you yeah, could I could you? mail you some and it's gluten free. Okay. So okay. fantastic. Ooh, I have a great okay. fudge recipe too. We could have a we could have a fudge off. We'll we'll, we'll both mail our fudges to Patty and let her pick the winner. <laughs> you know, I'm already thinking about the marketing thing, which is fudge you. <laughs> <laughs> we can we could do like a live tasting on the show and like you can have Meg and Sean and Ron come too and everybody. And you know, Ron's a real foodie, so I like it. And meanwhile, you can try like canned. You're saying that because you feel berries. Yeah, then we'll do a cranberry one. You mean, but I, I feel Christy, really confident about my. Fudge. I was gonna say you're feeling confident. Oh, I I'm confident about mine too. You don't want to go head to head with this fudge. I'm just saying, you know. Mine is you. like, um, I bet Kristen's is kind of like upscale, and like mine is like, <laughs> like I bet her like just for like a comparison, Kristen probably makes like Godiva fudge, no. and I am like you know Hershey's chocolate syrup fudge. <laughs> they both like, taste good. They're both really good, just in different ways. Y'all are making me so hungry. I know, I know. So I know. We gotta go. <laughs> okay, well, wait, do we, should we answer one more question? Um, Mary, Mary said she didn't know she'd be such an instigator asking about side dishes. That's we just awesome. talked about that for like 12 minutes. Oh that's hilarious that's what happens when you ask us a question about food when we're yeah, all hungry when we we're off script exactly. you don't want to you don't yeah. want to all right somebody has an actual writing question and it's cindy brown wait somebody else can read that question just read it go 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 yeah. no i feel like i've been the blabber mouth all night no no you haven't no you haven't go ahead Okay, Cindy Brown says, are you all starting your next books <laughs> except for in process MKA? Or do you get some time off? What's time off? What's yeah, that? Wait, wait, what is the meaning of this phrase? Yeah. What is this phrase? Somebody okay, used? Christy, you answer because you are the... No, but I am in copy edits for Summer of Songbirds, but I am 
also edit my personal editing of my next book. She's written the first draft of her next book, y'all. In like a day. Well, (laughs) yes, but my my deadline is technically one thing, but would like to be another thing. So I had a lot less time than I thought I was going to. So I've been kind of like cranky about it, but it's been, but but that book was, it just, it can't, I don't know. You know how sometimes a book just like comes like that book just came. No. Okay. Well, it's not, I mean, and now (laughs) reading it back, I'm like, wow, this book needs so much work. But like the first draft really just, kind of rolled which is good that's awesome we're just jealous we're not we're telling you because we're jealous it's not it's not good it just it's a coal you've got a lump of coal that's something yeah Kristen what about you I'm in the research phase for my next book so I know what it's going to be about but I'm at that phase where I'm sifting through information and opening myself up to like whatever thoughts come and Sometimes thoughts come that like kind of weave in in a way that I didn't expect. So that's that's where I am right now. Well, Patty, I I kind of personally know where you are, but do you want to share that? I'm in the um so if you've been to a friends in fiction live event, we talk about how sometimes you get in the muddy middle and one of two things happens in that space. You're like, "I see it. I see it." And you take a run for the finish line or you say, it's not here. I can't see there. I can't. So I was hoping you'd skip that question. (laughs) So yes, I am working and no, we don't take time off. Um, because we're always, if once we finish something, I think all four of us immediately dive into something else. Um, so right now I'm in the middle of something that, um, I'm kind of in quicksand, so I'm not, not sure what'll happen, but that's where I am. Yeah. And I um, am, as you know, if you follow me on social media, desperately trying to finish this book that I'm two months over deadline on, but I have a concept and I have a synopsis for the next book. So as soon as this is in, and as soon as I get the revisions in, then I will um, launch myself into the next book. All right. That is everything for everyone tonight. Thank Wait, you. I have an idea. The next what? time we're together, mm-hmm. you make sweet potatoes, you make green beans, you make stuffing or fudge, and I'll make cranberry sauce. <laughs> and that'll be our whole meal. That'll be our whole meal. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of already won the fudge. And we're missing a protein. I know. In, but. In, in our heads, we've both already won the fudge competition. <laughs> We're totally having a fudge off for for Christmas. We are. We are. You have to mail it to me and Kathy, and we're just going to eat it live. On the I'm telling you, we're going to do something called Fudge You. And <laughs> okay, good night, you guys. Good night. That's enough tomfoolery. We'll see you back here next Wednesday night at seven Eastern for our Thanksgiving special. Until then, have a great week and happy reading. Good night. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here.
Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.